We're continuing on in our series on dynamics of destiny relationships. Uh, I can't tell you how many parts, but it's going to be a long one. It's 10. Hallelujah. My media team says it's 10 parts, but we haven't even scratched the surface. We really in the early phases of this thing on relationships. Um, and, uh, <clears throat> and so we're going to I'm just going to keep going to the Lord, tell me to stop. Um, but each time I keep trying to stop, he keeps telling me to go deeper. So I'm just going to obey God. We may do this every Tuesday for the whole year. I don't even know. All right. And so we want to thank God for those of you that are watching with us online, uh, Facebook Live. Please uh, take the time to just like and share and comment. Tell us where you are are uh, watching us from, even if you watch this after the fact. Uh, we are still working through some things and working to, to make this broadcast everything that it can be for you. We would certainly appreciate that if the word is blessing you, that you take the time and reach out and share um, this word with somebody else. It's very, very important that you help me to um, reach other people such that they can experience their date with destiny as well. At the end, we'll come back to you and encourage you to sow a seed if the word is a blessing to you. So I'm just telling you that up front, and uh, we'll give you some more announcements then. Amen? All right. So uh, dynamics of destiny relationships. Uh, we have four objectives on this one. Um, the first is to illuminate the basic power of relationships, especially relationships that are developed for the purpose of glorifying God. Because so many people come on the relationships and they're just in it for what they can get out of it. I tell them at work, I said, there is a station, a radio station that everybody tunes into and it's W-I-I-F-M. And that stands for what's in it for me. Everybody dials into that station. But if, you're, if the purpose of your relationship is glorifying God, it, it creates a whole different dynamic on how you relate to other people. Number two, to elaborate on the love connection as the key to empowering relationships and the principles upon which relationships consist and by which they are maintained and enhanced. And our statement is that we're believing God that we don't just have survival relationships, relationships that survive. We want relationships that thrive and continue to grow. Our statement is, is that um, when it comes to marriage, the honeymoon is the worst it's ever supposed to be. It's supposed to always get better because it's two believers and you're learning how to live together, love each other, how to walk with God. So you're supposed to always be growing, going from faith to faith, going from glory to glory. Number three, to differentiate the various types of spiritual, natural, and social relationships and their purpose for being from, from God's perspective. You know, um, I tweeted, I, I Facebooked something today. I, I found a memory um, that I had actually uh, tweeted back in, nine, in not 19, 2011. F Facebooked it in 2011. Facebook wasn't alive in the 19s, okay? Or at least it was very, very early. Um, but it's, I had, the, the, the statement was, WWJT, what would Jesus tweet? And then I made the statement that um, some of our social media is antisocial. And I, as I was reading that today, that seems more relevant today than it, when I wrote it in 2011. And I specifically said, uh, and I was calling some, somebody out, um, but if it didn't hit you, then I wasn't talking to you. I said, some of our evangelicals have seemed to forgotten what that means when it comes to our president. And somehow he seems to get a pass for some of the crazy stuff he says. And so I'm trying to say, like, when did he get a separate Bible that had a 67th book in it? And, um, and uh, but when I think about relationships for the purpose of glorifying God, now, on the other side of that, I don't think that um, as a believer, I have the right to, to willy-nilly um, speak evil of my president. I can say right, what's right and wrong. Even John the Baptist told Herod, dude, you foul. 
Okay, so he spoke truth to power. But some of us go beyond speaking truth to power. We're just disparaging. Now, there are people, and this is just one type of relationship, but I'm going to deal with this one in the future. I just want to give you what I mean when I'm talking about relationships and their purpose from God's perspective. Um, there was a lot of people who hated on President Obama that want you to love on Donald Trump. Right? And then, and then it's, it's quite the opposite. There was people that was loving on Barack Obama that hate on Donald Trump. Now, the world is the world. Sin is what sinners do. But I have to be careful that um, I don't adopt the world's mentality. Like, I am, I feel some kind of way when it, when it deals, when I, when I deal with the issues that come that have affected the city of Flint and our governor. But I'm careful because, you know, I still, he is still the ruler of our state. He is still the leader of our state. So it's not that I don't feel some kind of way, but how I address it, I still got to make sure that I still live within the lines of what God is okay with. Does that make sense? Okay, now that doesn't mean he isn't wrong. White-collar crime is crime. Right? If, if one of these young African-American men went into a bank with a gun, not even a gun, just a letter, and said, I have a gun, give me all of the money that's in this bank. And then they walked out and the police caught them. They would put them in jail and then orange would be the new black. You know what I mean? They would have one of those orange prison jumpsuits. On the other hand, a bunch of people with, with three-piece suits on in Wells Fargo stole thousands and millions of dollars with the stroke of a pen. And all they got was a golden parachute. That means they left and got paid out on their way out the door. And then none of them spent some time in prison. White collar crime is still crime. So I'm very particular about that. And I'm specifically particular about what's happened in this country because I'm an engineer. And so I have to make decisions and I have to be accountable to those decisions. And they tell us, listen, you do some of this stuff wrong, we will lock you up. So I'm, 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 I live in a thing where I pray to God every day, Lord, please don't have some decision that I make get somebody killed, but I have to make the decisions. I can't sit on the sidelines and do nothing. I'm paid to make decisions. And so what bothers me when I think about what's happening in our country, this is not even my topic, but what bothers me is that, that people, they have tried to absolve themselves from the decisions that they made or mis mishandled while they were in their office. And then we, even though he got all of the millions of dollars, are having to pay out of the state's money for him to get legal representation. That just bothers me. Okay, but how I deal with it, still, I can't. I still got to pray for him. You know, now if I see him, I'm going to shake his hand and tell him, I think you're wrong. I'm praying. I'm praying. And I'm also praying that they catch you. I met. I, but I just think right is right and wrong is wrong. You, do you see what I'm saying? But even how I handle that, I can't do it like somebody who doesn't know Jesus. Paul had to be careful even how he addressed the ruler of his people. They were mistreating him, and then he turned around and said something back to them, and they said, is this how you're going to speak? That's the high priest. He said, oh, oh, I'm sorry. I just thought he was somebody. I didn't realize he was the ruler. And so he had to, even when I'm dealing with people, I'm not telling you you can't tell them right is right and wrong is wrong. That's not what I'm saying. But how you address people still has to be different. There needs to be a different in how we relate to people, even in these natural things, even when we know they are wrong. All right? And then finally, number four, to motivate you to be more intentional in your relational roles at every level for relational success. So I have a key statement. I'm just, I cut out some of my summary from the previous ones because I think I've done some of that. Hallelujah. 
Uh, my key statement is that there is a grace of God to be either magnificently married or successfully single. Now, as you know, according to Ephesians 2 and 8, all grace is received by faith. Right? So Ephesians 2 and 8 tells us that all grace is received through faith. By grace are you saved, God's redemptive ability that cancels errors or creates excellence. Are you saved through faith? All right? And so um, if there's a grace to be married, somebody's got to preach on it so that I can receive the faith for it. If there's a grace to be single, somebody's got to preach on it so that I can receive the faith for it. Why? Because Romans 10, you know, as we go from about around 8 to about around 17 and 18, talks about the fact that I can't call on something that God has for me except I believe it, right? He can, I can't, I, first of all, I can't believe it and then call on it. No, no, let's go there. I'm sorry. I keep trying to quote it. Romans 10, start at, at verse 8. Um, John, if you'll get that for me, please. Media team, thank you, thank you, thank you. Romans chapter 10, verse 8. So this is really important because as I think about the grace to be magnificently married or successfully single, why is Pastor David plowing in some ground and using some scriptures that I've never heard somebody preach before? This is why. Romans 10. But what does it say? The word is near you in your mouth and in your heart. All right. So the word has to be in two places. The word that you hear come out of the house of God has to get into me in two places. It's got to get into my heart and into my mouth. Right. That is the word of faith, which we preach. That if you confess with your mouth the Lord Jesus and believe in your heart that God has raised him from the dead, you will be saved. For with the heart one believes unto righteousness, and with the mouth confession is made unto salvation. So let's stop here before we go on to verse 11, and I am going on down to about 17 and 18. So it says that the word has to be believed in my heart and then confessed out of my mouth for me to receive salvation in any area. Now, this one is, this scripture is talking about the new birth experience, but the same truth is if there is grace in any area, I've got to have the faith for it in my mouth and in my heart. So if I'm, if you go to a healing meeting and you need healing and your body is being attacked, you need to hear the word and then Get it in your heart and get it coming out your mouth. You need financial prosperity. You need to get it in your heart and get it coming out your mouth. Whatever I'm believing for, I got to get it in my heart and got to get it coming out my mouth. Okay, go on to verse 11, media team. For the scripture says, whoever believes on him will not be put to shame. For there is no distinction between Jew and Greek for the same Lord overall is rich to all who call upon him. So notice if I believe I won't be put to shame, he will become rich to me when I call. That's the heart and in the mouth. Believing in your heart, right? If I believe it in my heart, I'm not going to be put to shame. So sometimes the enemy, when you're really trying to set your faith in the area, he's telling you, don't get your hopes up again. I know you tried that before. What is he trying to tell you? If you believe it, you're going to be put to shame. And God's saying, no, 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 no. You, you really believe in me. You won't get put to shame. And then he says, there is no difference between Jews or the people that are non-Jewish. The same Lord overall is rich if I open my mouth and call on him in that area. Now, Pastor David, why are you telling me this? Because I'm preaching on a grace to be successfully single. And I need you to believe that in your heart if you're single and confess it out of your mouth. And then I'm preaching on a grace to be magnificently married. I need you to believe that in your heart. I don't need you to feel like I didn't try and ask God to fix my husband or my wife or fix my marriage and it ain't seem to work. And then I'm not going to try again. No, you're going to believe on that. And he's not going to let you be put to shame. Then I need you to believe on it, and I need you to call to it. 
I need you to call to it because the Lord being rich won't come into you if you ain't calling to it because he says he's rich to all who call. So you got to open your mouth and say that I'm, I receive the grace to be magnificently married. Even and don't wait till it look better. Saints used to sing a song. Don't wait till the battle is over to shout now. You got, because you know in the end, you're going to win. Okay, so then you got to open your mouth and say it even when it doesn't look like it is. Because if you don't open your mouth and say what you believe about it, God can't be rich to you. Everybody get that? Because that's really important. Now, that's, that's like faith one-on-one. But if you don't get this, I'm saying a bunch of stuff that won't do nothing to you, won't do nothing for you. Nothing's going to work. If you, if you aren't willing to believe what I say and call to it. All right, go ahead, media team. For whoever calls on the name of the Lord shall be saved. All right? So it says, the Lord is rich to all who call on him. All who call on his name shall be saved. So salvation in an area is dependent upon me believing something and calling to it. For those that are here, I know there's some people that are watching that are just, that they just may be watching this. Like, I'm on purpose telling you stuff on Sunday around your first fruits giving because I want you to believe what I say and call to it. I'm, 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 I'm purposefully stretching you in ways because I know that if I don't stretch you to believe something and call to it, nothing happens. Because God is rich over here, but he won't be rich to you unless you call to it. If you won't call to his name in this area, you won't receive the salvation that's available to you in this area. So I'm specifically talking about here's how you pray. Here's how you call to the Lord in the area of your finances. And the devil's trying to tell you, no, nah, it didn't work for Pastor David because he got that engineering degree. But it ain't going to work for me. No, 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 no. And I'm telling you, no, 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 no. The Lord is rich to all who call on him. There is no difference. You see it? Okay. Now that's a very basic point. But if I don't get that point solid, then the Lord can't move on me in that area. Go ahead. How then shall they call on him in whom they have not believed? So you can't open your mouth and call on the Lord in the area if you haven't believed God in that area. So it starts in the heart and then gets in the mouth. How shall they believe in him of whom they have not heard? So to get it in the heart, you got to hear it. And how shall they hear without a preacher? Right? That's my role. Verse 15. And how shall they preach unless they are sent? As it is written, how beautiful are the feet of those who preach the gospel of peace, who bring glad tidings of good things. But they have not all obeyed the gospel. For Isaiah says, Lord, who has believed our report? So then faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. So if I'm going to get faith in an area, I got to keep hearing and hearing the word of God. So I've asked God, I, I'm, I'm telling you, I went to God and prayed about the relationships in our church. And then his answer to me was, how can they hear except there be a preacher? And so he said, preach this until I tell you you done. Okay, so I'm preaching this, believing that the word of faith that I preach, people are going to believe it in their heart and call to it, and then their relational success is going to be changed. All right, go on. But I say, have they not heard? Yes, indeed. Their sound has gone out to all the earth and their words to the ends of the world. Stop there. Okay, so I'm believing that God has sent me from this place, but that the gospel from this place, this is one of my scriptures that I use to believe for international ministry. Their words going to the ends of the world. That's what that said, is it? Okay. And so um, I, I did all of that to make sure you understand it. It's not just enough for you to come in here and hear me and then don't on purpose believe what I'm saying. And you believe the word that I'm saying, even when your experience is to the contrary, right? You don't wait until your experience changes to determine if you can believe it. 
right? So we talk in Proverbs 3, 9, and 10, honor the Lord with your substance and the first fruits of your increase. So shall your barns be filled with plenty and presses break out with new wine. You don't wait until your barns are filled with plenty to, to believe that your barns are filled with plenty. You believe that it is and you call to it because the Lord is rich to those that call to it. Does that make sense? Well, the same thing is true in marriage. Don't, you don't wait until you see yourself successfully single or magnificently married to call to it. You can cry yourself to sleep and still be calling to it. You can be married and lonely and still call into it. You don't have to wait for stuff to turn around. People, want, people think, you know, all I got to do is once it turn around, I'm going to believe it. That's not faith. You got to call to it first. All right, go ahead. Uh, all right, so, so grace to be magnificently married or successfully single. Our scripture here is Ephesians 5, 25 through 30. Husbands, love your wives. Just as Christ also loved the church and gave himself for her, that he might sanctify and cleanse her with the washing of water by the word, that he might present her to himself at glorious church, not having spot or wrinkle or any such thing, but that she should be holy and without blemish. So husbands ought to love their wives as their own bodies. He who loves his wife loves himself, for no one ever hated his own flesh, but nourishes and cherishes it, just as the Lord does the church. We are members of his body, of his flesh, and of his bones. And so we've been talking about three words, washing, nourishing, and cherishing. But those describe certain other ministries, ministry uh, things that a husband does to his wife. Now, just for reference, I'm not going to show it, but we've talked about it previously. I've read to you 2 Timothy 3, 16 and 17, where it talks about all scripture is given from God by the inspiration of God. And those of you that are in the foundations class know that we've been talking about what does it mean that the word of God is inspired, that God actually breathed on these words, that the Holy Spirit came on the, 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 the writers of scriptures in the Old Testament called the prophets, the ones in the New Testament called the apostles, and he breathed into these holy men by the Holy Spirit, and then they penned the words that God gave them of, of the scripture and that, this, that these words came by inspiration of God, and that they are there so that, that a, a man or a woman of God can be equipped to do whatever good work that God has called them to do. Amen? All right? And so there are a couple of key statements, one that I made last week. Okay, uh, before, before I go there, let me just make one more statement, and that is that we have believed that, but a lot of times we've treated the book of two books, the book of Revelation and the Song of Solomon, as if it's not even in the Bible. And so my statement is that if I ignore a book that's in the Bible, then the things that's in that book for me to walk in, I can't because I can't call to something I haven't believed or heard. Right? I can't, I can't call to it if I haven't heard it and believed. And so I want you to be very clear that uh, Pastor David is I'm on purpose plowing in an area where you might not have heard. See, what happens is if I, if I hear it and hear it, then I'll have faith for it. If I talk to you about salvation over and over again, you'll get faith to get saved. And some people will come to the altar just to get saved again and again because that's all they've been preached to. Does that make sense? And then... Those same people who are confident in their salvation are, can be shaky in their healing because they've heard the word in one area but not another. Or they can be confident in their salvation but shaky in the area of giving and receiving in the area of finances because they have heard enough scripture in one area to be rock solid. They don't get up in the morning wondering if they're saved, even if they don't feel so particularly holy that day because they understand that holiness is not a feeling. On the other hand, you know, they look at their bank account and say, I don't know if that's going to work. Why? Because they don't understand. It's the same principle. The same time Jesus died, became sin with my sin, he became sick with my sicknesses, and he became poor with my poverty. He did them all three at the same time. It wasn't a different act. He did all three of those at the same time. 
But if I have faith, if I've heard the preaching on one and not the other, I'll have faith for the one and not the other. And then if I ignore a book that has a whole revelation that I need and I have never, ever even went in a church and heard one person preach on it, one person preach on it. Because most of us have been in church most of our lives, those of us that have, and have never heard somebody preach on the Song of Solomon. Can I get an amen? Okay. So, so I shouldn't be surprised if there is some grace that's embedded in faith in that scripture that I'm not walking in because I have never, how can they hear except there be a preacher? And so that's why what your pastor is doing is so, so important. I know this is different. And I'm just telling you, I'm not just saying it because it's me. I know it's important for us to do this. And that's why I'm not going to be moved off of this until the Lord tell me I can go. Because I want people to have the grace that's available here, and I want them to know how to access it. I want them to have the faith to receive the grace in this area. All right, so there's two key statements. One I gave you last week, and the other one is a new one. So let's give them the key statements. First one is sex is good and is from God. All right, this, 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 is, what the, this is what God told me. And I'm just saying it the way he said it to me. He said, the Holy Spirit is the greatest sex expert there is. Stop believing that somebody out there has something better than what you got. Stop it. Right? Because the devil didn't make it. Everything he does is deceitful. Stop, stop believing that there is some better way uh, for you to relate than what, what is just well, He lying. He lying. He lying just like he lied to Eve. He lying. He lying. He can't. How do you know the devil's lying? His lips are moving, right? He was a liar from the beginning. So sometimes the enemy gets people, um, married people, to believe that somebody out there is having more fun than they are. Stop. They are not. It's not even made for them. They're not. Okay? Here's the new, here's the new one. New key statement number two. The word of God is graphic, but it is not pornographic. <laughs> it is graphic, okay? It, it, I, I'm, I'm just telling you. What I'm telling you now, I got through meditation of the scripture. But when I meditated, I saw pictures. I'm just saying. But they, and those pictures are graphic because the Bible is graphic. It's, it's describing a bunch of stuff. But it's not pornographic because pornographic the word pornea is the greek word you know when it says the works of the flesh are manifest and it talks about uh fornication and adulteries that greek word is pornea where we get the word pornography okay so everything it's describing here is covenant related covenant related all right um when the lord taught it to me i was single but when I read the scripture, you are fair, my sister, my spouse, the Holy Spirit, I, I can't, I wish I could describe to you how it felt. But I felt like all of my emotions were arrested. <laughs> I was reading the word of God. You know, I remember one time, Apostle talked about the fact that there was a time when she was very, very angry with us and she was about to whoop some child mad probably me I was the one that was it was probably me and she read the word of God and it calmed her down isn't that right apostle she that was one of that was one of her testimonies the word calmed her down okay all I'm telling you is I was hot and bothered one day and I was reading song of Solomon and the word calmed me down that's all I'm gonna tell you Okay, all right, all right, everybody got it. You do it the way the Lord told you to do it. All right, okay, I'm just, I'm just telling you what the Lord did for me. Okay, um, so I got a list of 12 intimacy secrets, and um, I'm mainly going to go through one and two, but I'm going to skip down the verse, skip down to number nine. I gave you this list. Don't worry, you don't have to get the whole list today, please. Because I'm going to drill deep in number two. That's the goal today. I've gone through number one. I'll drill deep into number two. But um, after some consultation uh, with my bride on the way home, 
I felt like I needed to, to, to clean up something that I said last week in number nine, all right? All right. Number one, so this is the 12 intimacy secrets, and we'll just talk to one and two, and then um, screen team, I'm going to ask you to go down to number nine just so that I can pull something out of that one. And then we'll come back to number two. And it says, the first one says, the intimacy interaction with your wife, talking from a husband's perspective, is designed to remove all sense of self-consciousness related to her beauty or past hurts. Your wife should, should really believe she's beautiful based on you washing her with washing of water by your words, with you nourishing her and cherishing her with your words. That washing, nourishing, and cherishing her is a key part of this, and we talked about it, and we showed in Song of Solomon 1 that uh, the Shunammite woman says, I'm dark but lovely. I thought dark and lovely came out of me. Uh, <laughs> yeah, I thought that was some, something that came out of Madison Avenue. You didn't know it was in the Bible. In, in the King James, it says, I'm black but comely. She said, I'm dark, but I look good. Why? Because Solomon got somebody that looked like his mother. I'm just saying he did. That's my revelation. He married David's, Solomon's mother was the wife of Uriah the Hittite. The Hittite was uh, a Canaanite woman who was from the descendants of Ham. I'm just saying. He got somebody look like his mama. I'm just, okay. But she told her, she told you she was dark and lovely. Okay, so I'll take her own testimony. But she was self-conscious about that. But then when we got down to chapter 8, she was very confident. So what was the difference between chapter 1 and chapter 8? Her husband's ministry to her. That was the difference. All right. All right, so that's the first one. Number two. If you walk in your kingly role as God intended, you will be attractive to a lot of women, but only attracted to one. All right, and I'm going to deal with that one in detail. Now, let me skip down to the ninth one, because I said some things last week that I just want to, I want to clean up here. Can you go down to the, the ninth one, John? In the ninth, number nine, it says, it matters as a man how you present yourself to your wife. Don't let your appearance go. She wants a knight in shining armor. And then I talked about something that my, my dad said. He said, my daddy told me, this is, what, this is my father and me. And he said this. He said, he said a man shouldn't be walking around like he's pregnant. All right. Now, Pastor David, now what are you saying? Are you saying that to make somebody in the room or on the phone feel bad? No, I'm not saying that to make somebody feel bad. But what I am saying is, well, let's just talk, for example, um, um, this, is not, this is not a lie. Let's just talk about our president, for example. Okay? Our president has, has gone on TV, on Twitter. Man, he, he likes his Twitter account. And he has, on several occasions, shamed women about their physical appearance. Anybody know I'm telling the truth that I am not lying? Anybody know I'm telling the truth? I am not lying. This is not, this is not a secret. I am not lying. He has done it on several occasions. Also, we have uh, strong evidence, including from his attorney, to, to, to indicate that uh, he has stepped outside of his marriage um, with, with porn stars, at least one, whose name is very prominent in the media right now. Meanwhile, he's used his position of wealth and power to control women, but he himself is no stud muffin. Are you, you get what I'm saying? So, so women have had to put up with men who wasn't looking, who didn't, who just let themselves just flop all over the place. And then he starts to say, you know what, um, you getting too big, so I'm going to trade, you know, the 40 OU for two 20-year-olds. And then I'm looking at the brother and say, bro, you're not all, I'm looking at you like you ain't all that special yourself. Okay, so that's my point. My point wasn't that, um, that a man should feel, now I still think this is Pastor David, because this is what the Lord told Pastor David. He said, he said, you asking me to get you a hundredfold woman, but then you won't even be long, around long enough to take care of her, and then you're going to leave her a widow because you won't go to the doctor or you won't go to the gym, and then you're going to make me the husband to your widow and the, and the father to your fatherless children. 
So he said to me, bro, you need to do something. Okay. Now, we, men, for whatever reason, it felt like they can just kind of let themselves flop, and then they put this, this standard on women saying she got the, I mean, you know, if she just has some baby fat, he trying, to, he trying to trade her in. I'm like, no, man, that's not how that works. Okay, so that's what I was talking about. Okay, did I clean it up? Okay, all right. Because I want somebody to go out here. I want brothers to get offended with me. But, bro, you do need to go to the gym. I ain't mad at nobody. You do. You need to go to the doctor. You need to take care of your body. Don't just be putting on her because you just like to have a bunch of eye candy and then you flopping all around and then you making her fit into a negligee that she did when she was 25. And then you, <laughs> I'm just saying, I'm just saying, okay? Does that make sense? Okay, all right. Okay, uh, John, let's go back, go back to the list um, to number two. All right, because that's the one we're going to deal with in detail today. If you walk in your kingly role as God intended, you will be attractive to a lot of women, but only attracted to one. All right, Song of Solomon 1, verse 3 and 4. I'm going to read this out of the King James Version. You will be attractive, but you will only be attracted to one. Hallelujah. And it says, because of the savor of thy good ointments, thy name is as ointment poured forth. Now, ointment is a type of anointing, right? You know, mom used to have this A&D ointment. Man, she would shine our face. We'd go, we'd go to work shining. She thought when, you, when it was cold, the thing that you needed was you needed your face to shine. And if you got your face shining before you left the house, you just had to Man, you could take a coat off of that and put it on the side and just grab it for tomorrow and put it back on your face. She put so much on before we left. So anointing, the, the anointing is described in Scripture. There's an ointment. Uh, oil or an ointment has in, in the Old Testament is a type of the anointing. So let's go back and read that, that, that verse 3 again. Because of the savor or the smell of your good ointments, because, because your anointing has a smell to it, your name is as an ointment poured forth. Therefore, do the virgins love you? Ah, what's attractive to people about me isn't me. Now, see, this is how the Lord explained it to me. Because some preachers, listen, preachers are the worst at this that I'm describing to you. Preachers are the worst at this. Preachers are the main one that think that every woman that's attracted to them is attracted to them. You're not attracted to me. You're attracted to my anointing. But if I let you mess me up, I won't be anointed no more. Woo, that's some good preaching. Because Ecclesiastes described describes it as flies in your ointment is a person who has a name or reputation for honor and then ex exercises a little foolishness. So my concern is don't let me get some flies in my ointment. <laughs> like a fly in the ointment. I, I need somebody, John, I need you, uh, somebody to find that scripture for me. There's a scripture in Ecclesiastes and it talks about um, like a fly in the oint ointment of the apothecary. I'm giving you the King James Version. Uh, and the King David Version says it's like flies in the ointment. We'll come back to that, to that one. Because what happens is people develop this great name and reputation and ministry and then they see somebody that's googly eyeing at them, and they're willing to throw away their good name for five minutes of pleasure. You're not that good. That might have went out of your head, but I'm okay. I don't care. <laughs> All right. Did you find? Okay. Go on. Dead flies 
cause the ointment, the anointing of the apothecary. An apothecary is like a perfume bottle to send forth a stinking savor. Now, remember what the other scripture says is because of the of the the smell of your anointing that and your and the anointing on your name that causes women to to look at you and say I want a husband like that. But if they get you to the point where they make where where the devil convinces you that it's you not the anointing, then they will cause your anointing to stink. And all of them that love you going to hate you too. After they jack you up, they not going to like you neither. Dead flies cause the ointment of the apothecary to send forth a stinking savor. So does a little folly him that is in reputation for wisdom and honor. Woo, that's some good preaching right there, Pastor David. Yes, that is. That's some good preaching right there. Because, see, I had the Lord said, listen, listen, listen. If you're walking in your anointing, women going to see that, and it's going to be attractive. It's not like you got to do something with it. It's just that they, most of the time they're not attracted to you. They're just thinking, God, when I get married, I want a man like that. Now, some of them are out there, the silly women. We talked about them before. They'll, they'll be out there, and if I let them, they'll get me off, or they'll be strange, and some of them will come for the purpose of trying to get me off. But that scripture there in Song of Solomon said, the virgins love you. They weren't trying to do something wrong. It's just that what you're putting off is attractive. It has a smell to it, and it smells good. But if you let them jack you up, then it'll go from smelling good to smelling bad. So I done seen brothers who let their ego go to their head and then their anointment got some dead flies in it. They all, <laughs> I'll let you figure out some names, but I'm going to tell you, people done just got, they done jacked up their whole ministries and they stuff got a stench to it. And then they got to move out of town. They got to go someplace else to preach. Because the smell where they come from ain't so good. So they're trying to get to a different circle. <laughs> and somebody tell me, I can't come back and preach in Flint. It's too small. No, nah, bro, you just jacked up a bunch of stuff when you was here. Okay. Oh, <laughs> Woo, that's some good preaching, Pastor David. Yes, it is. All right, let's go back to Song of Solomon, chapter 1, verse 3 and 4. So let's, do, now, do you get what I'm getting out of this? All right. Because that's some profound knowledge, y'all. Like, some places, I can't even preach what I just preached. Like, like people will take it and believe that they something special. And I'm telling you, the Lord's like, you not special. You just have an anointing. They're not, like, like the Lord taught me. They not really, like, you not all of that. And, and it's not like I'm fearfully and wonderfully man. I get all of that. But the thing that's attractive is the anointing. But if I let them mess with my anointing, it won't be attractive to them or nobody else anymore. All right, look at verse 3 again, and then I'm going to read 3 and 4. Because of the savor or the smell of thy good ointments, because of the smell of your anointing, your name is as ointment poured forth. Therefore do the virgins love thee. Draw me. Draw me, not all of them, not all of them that love you. Draw me, we're going to follow you, but I'm the person you're supposed to be drawing. It's not for them. Your wife is the only one. Everybody else can, can smell that, but see, I, 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 can, I can love my wife and still be anointed. I mean, the Lord had to tell me that. I was like, I was like God, we still good? I mean, yeah, I, I just... I thought I had to, re I mean, I was having so much fun. I thought I needed to repent. He's like, you ain't got to repent. She your wife. You married her. Hallelujah. Went over somebody's head. Draw me, we will run after thee. The king had brought me into his chamber. We will be glad and rejoice in thee. We will remember thy love more than wine. The upright love thee. So, yeah, you got to smell and people will, will like that. Um, but I saw my dad do this. I saw him, you know, like. God, God was teaching me a lot of things, a lot of things when I was really spending time in it. He, he just walked me back and showed me how much my father would, would, would 
affirm single women but still love his wife. Bishop Thompson talked about the fact when he was here that he would hug single women because he wanted them to feel a hug that had no sexual something attached to it. He wanted the young women because they are, some of them are coming out of the world and their family, even their fathers hugged them with the wrong intention. And so he wanted them to have a feeling of what it's like to be around somebody that just wasn't trying to push up on them and get something. I'm at work. I want to know how to um, affirm women in their careers. Not just, I was praying for Nedra when I didn't even think that it was going to be me. I was just praying for her. I, I was I parked next to a high-powered African-American woman who, who Jim didn't do her right. And I'm praying for her. I didn't want nothing. I just wanted to pray. I just, I just wanted to pray for her. You get what I'm saying? That's supposed to be. People miss all of that. They think it's all got to be sexual. It don't. It don't. You can just genuinely care for people and pray for them. And they can know, ain't nothing going on here. Because, see, at work, everybody know. Nedra's, no, Nedra's his wife. And, 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 and we all cool with it. You understand what I'm saying? It's, it's real clear who I'm with. Okay? And that can be. Now, let's go on to chapter 5 of Proverbs. I'm going to speed up a little bit, but I think that was some real revelation, right? That... <laughs> Do you see how you can actually go in the scriptures that nobody talks about and then God will start talking to you and show you stuff that you've never heard no place? It's in the Bible. I didn't pull it out some other place. I found it in the word of God. But people don't even know this kind of stuff is possible because how can they believe on something they haven't heard? And how can they hear without a preacher? Do you see, see how, how that scripture is so important in this? All right, so let's read. Um, Proverbs chapter 5, I'm going to read uh, um, 1 through 20, which I think is the, um, uh, a lot of the chapter. He says, my son, attend unto my wisdom and bow thine ear to my understanding, that thou mayest regard discretion and that thy lips may keep knowledge. For the lips of a strange woman drop as a honeycomb and her mouth is smoother than oil. Okay, so she, she has a way of tasting she has a taste to her, and it tastes really good. So don't be confused. Don't let it. Don't let the taste fool you. Okay. Verse four. But her end is as bitter as wormwood, sharp as a two-edged sword. Her feet go down to death. Her steps take hold on hell. Lest thou shouldest ponder the path of life. Her ways are movable, and thou canst not know them. Now, notice, we, we are talking here about finding the path of life. It says you can be on the right path, and a strange woman can get you to the point where you can't even figure out where the path is. Isn't that what that just said? You can't even ponder the path of life. Right? See, the good men come across a strange woman, and then they path get derailed. That's what that's saying. That's why you got to teach your sons this. Teach your sons. My son, I read this, and the Lord was like, this is how it works. If you're going to be a male virgin, you got to know this because they coming for you. You can't even discern the path of life. Verse 7, hear me now, therefore, O you children, and depart now from the words of my mouth. Remove thy way far from her, far from her, and come not nigh the door of her house. Oh, so once I figure out who she is and where she lives, I got to go all the way around where she lives to get home. You know what that just said? See, sometimes, 
See, we get into trouble because we're in the wrong place at the wrong time. We, I just, I, <laughs> I don't want to do nothing. I just want to go by the party. Okay? That's why I tell, <laughs> listen, teach your young people. You can stay out of a lot of trouble by just not going certain places. If I stay too far from you, nothing can happen. I know that's not a real profound revelation. <laughs> but they're, they're, we need to be in close proximity for certain things to happen. And if I stay far away from you, it can't. Okay? It says, what, what verse was that? Eight. Okay, so remove thy way far from her and come not nigh the door of her house. Verse 9. Now watch what will happen if you can't do that, if you stay, if you go to the wrong places, what's going to happen? Lest you give your honor unto others and your years unto the cruel. Unless strangers be filled with your wealth and your labors go be in the house of a stranger. I tell people, it's cheaper to zipper. It's cheaper to zipper. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It can save you some money. Yeah, yeah, yeah. If you, if you can keep your stuff zipped up, then your money won't go all over the place. I'm just saying. That's, that, that's not a real profound revelation. It's right there, but I'm just telling you. It blessed me. Mm-hmm. Verse 11. And, you can, and thou mourn at the last when thy flesh and thy body are consumed. Uh-oh, it's going to start affecting your health. <laughs> Verse 12 says, and you say, how have I hated instruction and my heart despised reproof <laughs> and have not obeyed the voice of my teachers nor inclined mine ear to them that instructed me. I was almost in all evil in the midst of the congregation and assembly. I was in church, but I couldn't hear. I was in church. I was in midst of the congregation. I came when the assembly of the saints came. And I still couldn't get my act together because I wasn't listening. I wasn't listening to the voice of my teachers. So I can preach this out, and you got to decide. You got to make your own decisions. I can't get in there and decide it for you. You got to go for what you know. I read this stuff, and this stuff changed my life. And then I would get in situations, and these scriptures that I read would come up on the inside of me, and they would be like, warning, danger, David Johnson. Remember Will Robinson lost in space? Danger, Will Robinson. Danger. And they would tell me something's going on. If you don't get out of here, you're going to get cut. And I would run, not walk in the opposite direction. This stuff, kept, this stuff saved my life. All right. So a lot of people, listen, <laughs> your sex life is why your money can't get right. You know what they said? My wealth is going to be in the house of a stranger. It didn't just say just because you had child support. You might not even have a baby. You might have aborted it, but you can't violate this principle and think nothing's going on. All right? Let's go on to our next verse, John. Drink waters out of your own well. And running waters out of, out of thy own cistern, and running waters out of their own well. Let thy fountains be dispersed abroad, and rivers of waters in the street. Let them be thine only, and not strangers with thee. Let thy fountain be blessed, and rejoice with the wife of thy youth. Okay, you're supposed to stay with the one that brought you to the dance. You're not supposed to, once you kind of feel like you done got everything you wanted, you're not supposed to turn her in and go in for a new, younger model. That's not how that's supposed to be. Scripture was very clear about this. Stay with the one that brought you. Stop trying to flip them every time you get, you get, you get hot and bothered or think... <laughs> I have a friend of mine, and this, this is a true story. I'm not going to tell you what denomination. But in their denomination, sometimes um, a bishop will, will marry a pastor, uh, will let a pastor divorce his wife so he can marry his daughter. 
crazy. Isn't that, isn't that crazy? Isn't that crazy? Yeah, that is crazy. Yeah, you, you just look at that folks and like, are you, did you lose your natural mind? He said, I, said, I said, really? People do stuff like that? They, they, that, they that heathen? They that heathen? Okay, but the Bible says clearly against stuff like that. That's just, that's just, that's just, it's foul, right? Go on. Let her be as a loving hind and pleasant roe. Let her breast satisfy you at all times and be thou ravished always with her love. So you have to make a decision that you're going to let the one woman that God gave you satisfy you. You have to decide that because you have to choose whether or not you will be satisfied with the meal God gave you to eat. That's some good preaching, Pastor David. Yeah, that is. You got to decide that. So I tell, I tell women if their husbands have, have checked out on them, say, listen, listen, listen. Uh, if I just made myself more sexy, stop that, stop that, stop that, stop that. He made a decision to not be ravished by you. That was his call. Has nothing to do with you. Stop putting off on other people. Now, can you make it worse? Yeah, you can make it worse. You know, if you have, <laughs> if your pajamas is holy, and I don't mean H-O, L-Y, I mean with the H-O-L-E-Y in them. They holy <laughs> with holes. And you look at, you leave, if you leave the house all half done and then all the sisters at work, he only see them when they all primped up. They all primped up when, by the time he get to the office. That's not wise. But still, it's his call to decide what he's going to do with the information. Right? If you'll help me, you can help him. But helping him is not the same thing as doing it for him. He's got to decide that he wants to stay with you. And when he don't, that's a decision he made because he has to choose to be ravished by your love. He's got to choose that. He's got to choose to be satisfied at home. Nobody can get in his head, not even you, and make that decision for him. Look at verse 20. And will thou? See, now it's all about his will, isn't it? You're supposed to be ravished. Then he asks, will you? Will you, my son, be ravished with a strange woman and embrace the bosom of a stranger? What are you willing to do? I'm willing to be satisfied with just one. And what I realized is, and this is what the Lord taught me. It's easier to go from zero to one than it is to go from two to one. It's easier to go from being a virgin to being satisfied with one woman than it is to go from having two, three, and four and then come down to one woman. Whew, that's some good preaching, Pastor David. Yes, it is. How do you keep your heart from being pulled, pulled in by the strange woman? By keeping your mind, your mouth, and your money to turn towards your wife. You have to be willing to be entertained by the strange woman. So let's look at Song of Solomon, chapter 6, and we're going to read verses 8 and 9. Now, here is Solomon speaking, all right? These are the words that are coming out of his mouth. Song of Solomon, right? And it says, there are 60 queens... 80 concubines and virgins without number. My dove, my undefiled is but one. What he's saying in today's language is she's one in a million. She is the only one of her mother. She is the choice one of, of her that bear her. The daughter saw her and blessed her. Yea, the queens and the concubines, and they praised her. He says, listen, listen, as far as I'm concerned, there's all of these women in the world, but ain't no woman like the one I got. That's what he was saying. <laughs> I, I can't. <laughs> I didn't have it like that until I just said it, but it just, <laughs> just, it's a song. It's a song. 
It's a song. This Song of Solomon is a song. That was a song. It's a song. Ain't no woman like the one I got. Okay, I'm just saying that's what he was saying to himself. Now, why is it important what he said? Turn to James chapter 3, verse 2 and 3. James chapter 3, verses 2 and 3. And it says, for in many things we offend all. If any man offend not in word, the same is a perfect man and able also to bridle the whole body. Behold, we put bits in the mouth, in horses' mouths and that they may obey us and we turn about the whole body. So what is this scripture telling me? All right, one of the ways that I keep my marriage in line is I keep talking about the woman God gave me in a good way. Because if I can keep my tongue turned towards her, my body will stay turned towards her. Like I go in the gym, I got, I got this shirt that I got that says, I love my wife. I wear that to the gym. All the ladies, they stop and look. Hey, what's up, man? They, the ladies be like, what's up, bruh? Like, you rep, you repping your wife up in here. They love it. I'm telling you, they love it. They be like, what's up, man? They, some of them want to meet Nedra because I'm repping her. They like, you're not ashamed of life for these dudes. No, I ain't saying. I ain't going to. That's like, child, please. Yeah, they, they, they give me, I'm telling you, they stop and talk to me when I'm wearing my I love my wife shirt into the gym. I say, yeah, because I'm working out. I'm not working out for y'all. I'm working out for her. Yeah. But if I keep my tongue turned towards her, my body stay turned towards her. What happens is people start turning their tongue towards other people. And then their body starts to move in another direction. All right. Now let's look at Matthew 6, 21 through 23. For where your treasure is, there will your heart be also. Oh, I got to spend money on her too. Now my wife loved to shop. She loved to shop. And then the Lord had to tell me, listen, listen, listen. Let me help you, bro. Spend the money. You can afford it. Your heart trusts safely in your wife. You have no need to spoil. Your stock done went up since you married. You got way more money you than ever had in your life. Because I came into this thing, you know, with all of the stuff that I had jacked up on my own thinking, you know, when she started to spend money, even though she was better at managing money than I was. She would spend it and I would get nervous. Because if you've ever felt like you were over your head in debt, you never want to be there ever again, ever in life. Once you, once you got out, you, you get all nervous. If I think you're getting close, I feel, I feel like I'm drowning. She'd be in the store. I'd be like, God, I feel like I'm gagging. And, it, and it's, he's like, bruh, bruh, calm down. I got this. She got it too. You got help. You're not here on your own. And she had to be like, why are you tripping? Why are you tripping? And then the Lord said to me, if you can spend money on it, your heart turn in the same, in the right direction. I'm just telling you, that's what the Bible said. Wherever your treasure is, that's where your heart's going to be. So if I want my heart turned towards, towards her, I got to keep my money. See, see my mind, my mouth, and my money needs to be all turned in the same direction. That's some good preaching, Pastor David. Yes, it is. So I get nervous when I see, you know, I want to take, I want to treat that. People going, you know, I want to buy her something. Okay. I look at the brother like, okay. Then I'm looking at him saying, is he buying stuff for her that he wasn't buying for his wife? Is he saying words about her? Is he saying she's nice here, but ain't saying she's nice at home? And then... Is he looking at her in a way that he's not looking at his wife? Let's look at this one. Verse 22, I'm still in Matthew chapter 6. It says, the light of the body is the eye. 
If therefore thine eye be single, thy whole body shall be full of light. If I can keep my eye in a single direction, my body is full of light. Woo, that's some good preaching, Pastor David. Yes, it is. But if thine eye, verse 23, be evil, the whole body shall be full of darkness. And if I turn my eye away from my wife and turn it to another person, remember what Jesus said, if you look on a woman, and lust after her, you've already committed adultery in your, heart, in your heart. If your eye, if your eye is evil, the whole body shall be full of darkness. And if therefore thy, the light that is in thee be darkness, how great is that darkness? So I got to keep my eye in the right place. I got to keep my mind, my mouth and my money in the right place. And I don't keep, once I do all of that, everything else will just stay in line. That's some good preaching, Pastor David. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. I'm out of time. That's as much as I wanted to do today. We're keeping this going. I pray that this, this thing has been blessing you. Um, I, I hope you feel challenged. I hope you do. Because uh, I am trying to challenge you. I, uh, <laughs> but the things that I'm challenging you with, I am confident that they will transform your life, transform your marriage, um, that you'll walk in a grace um, to be married, and your marriage will be days of heaven upon the earth. The Lord has specifically, just like it said in Romans, the Lord sent me to preach this message to you. I'm very clear on the assignment that I have from God to do the thing that, that I'm doing. And uh, I'm really praying for you. I, I have specifically saw God and got revelation on this, that this is something that he wants me to share in this hour. And I'm confident that, that uh, if you're listening to me, believing the things, not just that I'm making up on my own, but I'm showing you from the word of God, believing them in your heart and calling to them with your mouth, that God's going to save the situations that you're bringing in front of him. And he's going to be rich to you and you will not be ashamed. So please, as I stated at the beginning, this has been a blessing to you. Please, in the comments, tell us where you're watching from. So many of you tell me you're watching. I got folks all over this country saying, I've, I've been watching your message. I'm like, why didn't you tell me? It helped me just to know you was out there. I'm just saying. And um, share it with those people in your circle as well. And then I want you to take the time and follow the comments that are there in the uh, comment thread and sow a seed into the ministry. Help us to, as we said at the beginning, take this doctrine of destiny to the uttermost parts of the earth. I'm also going to challenge you to join us uh, this coming Sunday. We'll be here at Destiny Generation Church if you're in the Flint, Michigan area or somewhere even within a hundred miles. I believe that, that God has people that will, will travel miles to hear the word of destiny that comes out of this because this is going to help them find the destiny path of God for their lives. Please, we're located in 1011 Hammond Avenue in the beautiful, lovely city of Flint, Michigan, where the waters are fixed, full, and whole in Jesus' name. That's my confession. I'm sticking to it. And um, so please take some time and come in to us. And then next week, I'll be back. If you think uh, one and two um, on my list of these 12 intimacy secrets from the Song of Solomon is good. Wait till I keep it moving. You're, go you're not going to want to miss, miss this. So definitely, if you cannot be here with us live, I'm asking you to join me next week. All right? God bless you and see you next time.